WV Uncommonplace. This podcast is a variety podcast that houses numerous series to cover mental health, empowerment, podcast framework, and various intimate theories to get to know the hosts. Along with occasional movies, reviews, and dives in pop culture with our event podcast episode. The Uncommonplace digs into bringing guests on that stories don't fit the mold and are very different. WV stands for the great state of West Virginia and every quarter we cover something in West Virginia. Stacy and myself JR are your hosts so please come along for this venture to Uncommon Plate. Alright, we're here at PodFest. Um, we have a guest with us. He is a saxophone player. Um, he does a lot on um, TikTok. TikTok is ridiculous, like 200,000 people. I'm going to pass that over to him real quick. Please introduce yourself yeah. to the audience. I'm Tom Shea. Uh, on social, you can find me at Shea Sax. Been playing saxophone for 20 years, doing TikTok and social media for, I don't know, three to eight i guess social media a lot longer than tiktok but you know <laughs> okay so let's get started real quick with the, the most amazing question that we can ask you what got you started in music okay so i was 10 years old i had an elementary school music program which is unusual not enough schools have them but they should and uh my options were well anything i could play any instrument but i wanted to play clarinet my dad played clarinet like I saw him doing it. I always wanted to do it. So I put down clarinet as my first choice. And then, um, you know, like five other kids wanted to play clarinet. And this is a band of 20 people. So that, that wasn't going to fly. So I was the only one who had a second choice. And my second choice was saxophone because that was the other instrument my dad used to play. And it was like, it wasn't even like, I didn't want to play saxophone. I put it there as a second choice. The only one who had a second choice. So I got the saxophone. Um, best second choice of my life. Okay. All right. <laughs> like, so, so you get the saxophone. Uh, you got to put a read on it. You have to learn how to clean it and everything. What was the first mishap you had with your saxophone? Ooh, first, I mean, especially as a kid, reeds are fragile. It is a small, thin piece of wood, and it sticks on the tip of your instrument. So if someone walks by and they catch it, your reed's broken. So that over and over again. I didn't break, like really break a saxophone in, until I was like 25. And that, that, so really, we have the reed breaks that happened all through life. But the first real mishap was when I was about 25. I'm leaving a gig and I was using a, a case I don't usually use. I pull my saxophone off the table. Case is not latched. Ooh. Yeah, it tumbled three feet right to the ground. That saxophone was totaled. Oh lord. Oh lord. In <laughs> that case, I hate it. And it went straight to the trash. Most cases have like extra hinges or something. So even if something bad happens, your saxophone is caught by the case while it's falling. This was just straight to the ground. <laughs> so were you able to still perform? Um, wonderfully, that happened after the performance. So, and that was my backup saxophone. The whole reason that saxophone was with me was so when I did something stupid at a live event, I wouldn't destroy the priceless one. Okay. So Now, you're here at PodFest. You're an influencer. You're, you're a big name. I mean, your TikTok's big for itself. Well, thank you, man. Um, we actually met yesterday, and yeah. I started going over things last night. You know, I had probably a few hours. I, I looked over things, and I was amazed that your, your father went on TikTok. How did you come about doing this? Now, understand this. This is the Hidden Gem in the episode because we have content creators that listen and then we have just our random listeners. Uh -huh. So, right here, give them the gold. How did this start?
start and how did that come about being as big as you were on TikTok? Well, so I had a friend, Dominic Natana. He was on TikTok before me. He was on TikTok when it was Musical.ly. Like, he was the guy who was testing every social media app out there. And he was, you know, trying to work it and seeing what was good. And he would tell me about TikTok. He was telling me about TikTok for like a year or two. And then one day, the text says, I quit my job. I'm just doing TikTok now. And I immediately called him and was like, what? What? <laughs> you, you quit your job? How does that even work? And, you know, he was just like, go and post videos. And he encouraged me to post anything. My first videos were not as curated as the stuff that you saw at the top of my feed. Like, my first viral video was uh me grooming my face like shaving my beard cutting, cutting the lines there uh putting in some oil some um shea butter of course you know yeah. tom shea that's how you gotta yeah, do yeah. it but uh shea butter and like you know a little hair dryer combing that got like eighty thousand views and that was my first big video before that i was posting anything and everything about my life you know, and that was included. The shaving was just like, hey, I'm going to set up a camera and try editing. It was all just fun and practicing. This was like 2019, you know, pre-pandemic days. No one no one was on the platform. It was, it was me and a bunch of, like, teenagers, really. And it was really cool when, you know, something random blew up. And then pretty soon all these people are, like, asking me beard care questions, which was not my expertise, but I, I was, you know, I had a beard, so I could answer him and it was really cool and it was my first taste of that community where there was so much more engagement and so many more people just like i want to talk to you and especially in the early days of tiktok it didn't feel like but people didn't feel like numbers people were, were real and there was so much interaction between all of us both the creators and people watching and other creators and i don't know it was a real interesting place of community early tiktok art you tell you was it kind of like that myspace fill in the very beginning because i don't know if you were on myspace or not but myspace and facebook yeah, in yeah, the very yeah. beginning it was it was just about yeah, people that, it wasn't that early social media yeah. for sure so give a little advice to some people uh, that want to get big on tiktok what do what is the the formula that you use to be successful don't give it all away because you can put it in a course and make money with yeah, it they can have it <laughs> um so i mean the biggest thing number one is persistence i know it's an annoying thing to hear i'm sure i'm not the first person to say it but um i posted every day multiple times for three to four years um and in the beginning that was low effort content and then that content became higher level content when i started moving to doing exclusively music it became a lot of work and it is a lot of work and that's something you just need to get in your head from the beginning is that the, everyone i know who's doing this they are not lucking into it. They are working their ass off. And that's what I did. And I was lucky enough that I got a period to work my ass off when there was a pandemic. Because as a professional musician, as you can imagine, I suddenly found myself without a job at all. Um, and I found myself with, at that point, I don't know, maybe like 10,000 TikTok followers. You know, the beard video had gone viral and other stuff. And I decided, like, let's just do everything I want to do, anything that I want to show anybody, any idea I have is now a video and I'm putting it up there. And you don't think you do, you don't worry about 
um, how your friends on Instagram are going to look at it. You don't look at, you don't worry about the people you know in the real world. You have to, you have to separate it and start selling yourself as an influencer, you know, and viewing yourself that way. And uh, that's that's its own step. It's internal work, you know. Okay. okay. Now, Tom, let me ask you this. All right. So you play the saxophone. Have you ever created your own composition? Yes. So I have like actually. TikTok was what made this happen. So um, some of my first music stuff to go viral was me playing over lo-fi tunes, which, um, you know, I was basically just getting into lo-fi myself and going, hey, there is no melody in this music. It is just an open chord structure ready to go. And I'm like, I'm just going to bring out my saxophone and noodle over this on a live stream. So I did that. And it was like the best live stream I ever had. And I was like, I just had so much fun. These people just had so much fun. So then I started tailoring some of my posts to that. And I started making posts that were recording other, you know, other people's lo-fi music. And they were doing really great. So I decided like, hey, I know how to record. I know music theory. What's stopping me? I started working on my own composition, and about a year later, I released my first single, and then I followed that with an LP and two EPs. Okay, can so, you go into detail about those so that the audience can know where can they find this so, music right now? Yeah, if you go on Spotify and look up Tom Shea, you'll find it. Go on Apple Music, all of them. You know, uh, just a tip: if you're a creator, DistroKid is amazing. It'll get your music everywhere. You click a check mark, and it's on every platform. So if you look up Tom Shea, you will find me. I've got, um, let's see, my most recent one is called uh, Tupperware Tom. And um, I know it's an odd name, and I'm actually not Tupperware Tom. Tupperware Tom is my grandfather. Um, my grandfather passed away like a year ago. No, it's two years ago now. But of a uh, really rapid brain disease and one that uh, genetically possibly I can have. It's, it's a scary thing, you know? It was a scary thing to watch happen. I'm named after him. Um, he, was, he was a towering figure in my life. But this really funny thing happened, the way we celebrated his ashes, is um, we went on this rafting trip that we did every year, and we brought Grandpa Tom's ashes with us. And in the most ridiculous thing and very emblematic of how my family does things my grandpa's ashes were sitting in tupperware <laughs> and like grandpa would have loved that that's that's what i have to say that was not disrespectful at all grandpa would have loved being in tupperware on a rafting trip and um that's when i started joking around with my uncle's tupperware tom and they're like hey uh you know maybe don't make that joke around grandma but that's hilarious and before i knew it i was like that's, that's what i want to name this ep that's what i want to name this ep so it's after grandpa. my grandpa i recorded all five of the songs inside his barn in montana over a period of like six days Whoa. so i just set up in a barn no air conditioning um surprisingly a barn is a beautiful audio environment you wouldn't Ooh. think about it but it's all wood it's huge it's spacious the angles aren't right angles so you don't have bad reflections it's like a ready-to-go studio Ooh, we so, might have to use ours <laughs> oh yeah you guys are from west virginia of course you guys got barns on tap yeah no like i said i recorded in this barn and then i got home and started mixing it and i got angry at the way my studio at home sounds <laughs> so now i guess i gotta do all my recording in montana in grandpa's barn 
behind it. Yeah, because I've never thought about that. So that would be something wild. Now, you do other things. Uh, we had an interesting conversation about weddings. Yes. Please tell the audience about what you do at the weddings, the song that you're asked to perform prominently, <laughs> and, and how they can book you, because that's the key thing, too. When you yeah, do, yeah. We want to do a shameless plug to get you out there to people. Oh, too. yeah. So I do weddings a lot. I mean, next weekend I'll be doing two weddings. I do them all over the state of Florida mostly, but um, I'll travel anywhere. I play with like a 12-piece wedding group. They're called Synergy, C-N-E-R-G-Y. We're bilingual. So bilingual. I'm not, as you can tell. <laughs> but um, we do Spanish language songs, English language songs, and like rap sing is there's not a genre my band doesn't do which is really cool in an event and fun as a performer to get that stretch and that break when they play country songs all right so let me yeah. ask you so we could get some mighty mighty ball stones out of you maybe yeah definitely you could okay. definitely make it happen um i mean i'm a horn player you can get mighty mighty boss tones out of any of us right. if you try <laughs> now going forward so how do people book you how do they get in touch with you so to get you? if you hit any of my socials and contact me directly i've got my contacts there where you can reach out to me and uh then i would get you in contact with synergy or i work with other groups like i've got a ska, a ska band that i work with all sorts of groups and you know Everyone's always looking for gigs, so if, if you want to find me, go to Shea Sachs anywhere and just click that link tree. You'll see my contact. All right, and for the listeners that have to have everything spelled out for them, can you spell out that for them, please? Oh, yeah. Actually, that's important because uh, there's a lot of different ways Shea happens. I'm S-H-E-A-S-A-X. So, uh, like Shea Stadium, even though I think they plowed that down like 10 years ago now. It's showing my age. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the old New York Mets. Now, going forward, what does the future hold for you? So for me, I'm trying to get into more touring gigs. Um, like I just did a, a one-off date in DC with Scott Tune Network. It was the best gig of my life. It was in front of 3,000 people who were excited to hear the music that my friend makes, and and I got the play. So like, it, that being in front of audiences that aren't there to hear you play an event, who are there to hear you as an artist, is is the step. It's the goal. It's what we all want as artists. But it takes a long time to get there and, you know, baby steps. But, you know, hopefully in 10 years when we do this again, I'll be able to say, I've been on the road for the last five, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll make sure we definitely do it in West Virginia because he, he... Oh, yeah, we'll get there. the barn <laughs> sessions. <laughs> so, look, uh, funny thing that we always tie into the audience, we bring in something about West Virginia. We have something common in West Virginia. We found our women in West Virginia. Um, so that was one thing uh, to all the West Virginians. Uh, now, in Tom's effect, that made him have an ex, correct? Yes, yes. And I'm still with Stacey, so everything worked out for me. So, Tom, not to dig into your ex or anything, but she was from, she is yep, from, West, she's Vir from West, Virginia, West Virginia. And we figured out the city was Huntington. Uh, well, no, her brother wasn't hunting. I was trying to figure out the name of it, and now if she ever listens to this, she's going to be like, wow, what an asshole. <laughs> So but I've forgotten the name of the town. It's not a big one. Right. So somewhere in West Virginia, you know, we got 55 counties for 1.8 million people. Mm -hmm. The size of Orlando's metropolitan area on one side. It's crazy. Um, which is a crazy <laughs> thing. So for, going further out, um, Tom, yes. before we jump off here, this is what I need you to do. All right, you've become very personable with us. Mm -hmm. You know, we mentioned yesterday, whatever. We pay homage to 2020. It was a news magazine. It had Barbara Walters. It had... Um, John Stossel had Diane Sawyer. John Stossel was comedian. Mm -hmm. Diane Sawyer had really serious interviews. But Barbara Walters, she could change the scope of how people feel about you and things like that. So first off, let's do our John Stossel question. And this is just a funny uh -huh. question. All right, so 
being an artist, a content creator, an influencer, all these extra titles, what is your favorite title that you have? Musician. Musician. It always has been. You know, um, that's the thing. Even as a saxophonist, I'm not a saxophonist. You'll see me whistling down the hallway. Um, the music runs in our head. What, what we do to get it out is is always the tool. But musician first. And that goes with influencer, too. That's just my tool to get the music out. <laughs> okay. All right. So promotion is the hardest thing for everybody. Marketing is the hardest thing for everybody. What made you feel like TikTok would be the best marketing tool throughout the pandemic up until this point today um well first there was my buddy dominic the okay. guy who quit his job so there was already the example of this can work i can see it working in my friend's life so that was a big positive influence and he's always been there to be you know like if i'm discouraged he goes tom here you go he pushes me forward he always pushes me forward you know so there's that i had that great example in my life the second thing is just the results i saw myself you cannot deny results you go on to certain platforms and you put in effort and you don't see them and i can't say this is going to happen for everybody but like you know even when I was posting and had no following I was getting better engagement than on other social media apps and it felt good and it felt like that community was developing and that sense of like I don't feel like I'm shouting into the void I feel like I'm shouting at those five people who are going yeah no <laughs> like that's a big difference and that's what TikTok was certainly doing in 2019 and I think still does to this day at some level okay okay now here goes our one of our serious questions as a creator you have to find time for yourself and the thing about be, being creative you take all your imaginative energy and you have to put it into your music you have to put it into each facet of what you're doing so from pre-production to production to mm -hmm. post-production how do you handle that stress um i don't well <laughs> if i'm having being honest here uh you know i think i wouldn't be the first creator to said there was a mental crisis at some point yeah we'll give a pause while the bags are being done behind us he's literally taking a bag going... <laughs> so, so so real quick audience this is a funny thing we're sitting actually inside of like a hotel lobby like this is normally a place that someone would meet to do a drug deal or whatever type of nefarious, <laughs> nefarious activities that they would do. We're just sitting in a little corner. Stacy's our uh, sound quality person, and me and Tom are just going back and forth with the mic. She keeps pushing me up to the mic. She's like, mm -hmm. stay right there. Yep. She's like security for the microphone. But either way, uh, getting back to what we're question. our bag is gone um, finally. Yeah. <laughs> It's not all. He's still got his hands on it, though. Yeah. I'm, like, I'm like, is he gonna pull it back out and do it again? <laughs> right. Okay. It's a lot of a commitment to that bag. I mean, he's, I'm just watching him right now. I'm he's going. Boxes. He's yeah. He's. This man demands perfection out of his job, and he has gotten it. And it's like a trash I, can inside of a. Is it inside of something it, else? It's 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 a fancy trash can. You'd never want to know that it's actually a trash can. This is a hotel lobby. There's no trash here. Right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So so golden one. Uh, so. So, where were we yeah so we covered the part about stress inside of oh, yeah. um, production all that stuff so when you get to the finished product this is the hardest thing when you're done with that product uh -huh. you're about to pass it on to whoever publishes it or if you just self-publish mm -hmm. what does that emptiness feel like that's something i don't understand because i'll, I'll give you a little spiel mm -hmm. real quick when i recorded this episode we're recording together she listens to it it goes to artificial intelligence and then next thing you know it's done yeah 
So what does that void feel like? So for me, they're definitely, uh, that void is something you have to fill with promotion. That, that is when you have to go, this is the art that I did put all this effort into, and now I need to tell people about it. Because if you don't tell people about it, that's where the void comes from. The emptiness that was left from your busyness can be filled with people going, oh, this is so cool that you made this album. You know, and that's, it's, it's never easy to promote. It's never easy to take the thing that you've done and say, look at the thing I've done. Everyone look at me. You know, it is, it's not an easy task, even for a performer. Um, we've been kind of taught all of our lives. Don't, don't just go draw attention to yourself. Don't, you know, don't, don't be the one going, look at me. And now it's your job to go look at me. So there's an internal conflict in a lot of us there. I don't know how I got over it, but I did. I mean, part of it is having encouraging friends who go, Hey, look at you <laughs> you know they're, they're like hey man you are awesome you should let other people know that you know and that that's really how you get over that uh that internal little thing because there it's it's hard to put out your own work it is it's hard to uh then wait and go what are the reactions going to be but if you go out there and speak about it if you go out there and actually like don't just drop it out there and be like please look at my album be like i like my album you know it, you have to believe in your own work and that's not always easy once again we all have our pitfalls on there but um you you the ups and downs they keep on going up eventually you know <laughs> <laughs> okay you know my final question inside these 2020 questions and this is like the hardest question um being your own critic i have to sometimes sit back and be like hey is this something that someone else would want to listen to? Mm -hmm. um, is this something of quality or value? What merit am I bringing to the table by bringing this person on the show to find out this about them uh, or that about them? So with you, the mm -hmm. self-criticism, not the criticism of other people, because we can take that oh, with a yeah. grain of salt. We can mm -hmm. manufacture that into anything. That We can make a new song. You can make a new song out of that criticism. But your <laughs> own self, the self-critic that we are. Yeah. How do you handle that critic? I mean, that critic has always been very strong in me um very strong and it's been a battle for a long time and i think um for me it became actually i have to believe the people the people who are telling me things not myself my internal critic is very harsh very very harsh i had to believe the people in my comment section who said tom you're awesome because my internal critic wanted to fight against that so when i decided to start listening to other people instead of my own internal dialogue it was a game changer so you know obviously i had the luxury at that time of a bunch of people cheering me on on tiktok which was cool it was in, it was incredible but um it's always a struggle with your internal dialogue I've done therapy for that stuff, you know, it's, it's always going to be a battle. I think for most artists, the nature of the people who choose to do this usually are self-critical. Um, and sometimes here's another interesting tool I've used in the past. Even if my internal critic is so loud that it's saying, I don't like what you just did. What if this isn't for me? What if this art is not for me? There are other people in this world who are not me, who appreciate things I do that I don't love. You know, like I could play Careless Whisper. People will lose their mind. That doesn't mean I want to listen to me play Careless Whisper all day, but the fact is other people do, and you need to listen to them, and you need to pay attention to that. You can't get so caught up in the own direction of your own artwork where you think that your internal dialogue is right. You have to pay attention to the world and its feedback.
Okay. Okay, and I like that. Now I'm gonna give you a phrase in this whole in this part of uh, the 2020. My phrase is comparison destroys personality. Comparison, you finish it. Mm. And the reason I say that it destroys personality is because when you do a comparison of you to another saxophone player, you to any other mm -hmm. uh, person that's a musician, you def you defeat your personality. Yeah. In this instance, because you're trying to confirm conform to what they are and how they're doing things. So yeah. that's my phrase with comparison because I don't like comparison. I like people to say that comparison uh, mm -hmm. it is a thief or whatever they say. Yeah. That. But what is your comparison? What, what goes with your statement with comparison? I'm gonna have to think about it for a second. I mean, <laughs> in my world, uh. Com it's a hard one. <laughs> yeah. Comparison has no value. That's that's what I would say. It has no value to you. You if if you're sitting and comparing yourself to someone, what you should be doing is admiring them. You shouldn't be putting yourself next to them in a competition. You should acknowledge that what you're doing is saying how amazing they are. And when you're comparing yourself, what you're doing is you're just shitting on yourself. You're putting yourself down. You are saying that's what the comparison is about. Admi admiration is the ability to go I think you're amazing and that has nothing to do with me and does not affect me and that's how it should be and comparison is like the evil the doppelganger or something you know <laughs> where where you are um, you're admiring them at your own cost and uh, at the end of the day it'll hurt you there's lots of saxophone players i admire and at a time where i was comparing myself to them i didn't feel very good about myself <laughs> okay. okay now the last question that i'm going to ask you before we end this there's a billboard this billboard is located across the united states and we'll just do cities and you've been across the U.S., so we'll go New York City for one billboard, mm -hmm. and we have to throw in Ohio because they're our biggest listening base. Columbus, Ohio. <laughs> Columbus, Ohio. Ohio. Never been, but hope All to right, someday. So, <laughs> um, Montana, you've been there. Oh yeah. I don't know any cities in Montana except Helena, we'll, so we'll do Helena then. <laughs> Our Helena, and then we'll do Los Angeles because it makes sense. Yep. What does your billboard say in each place? Hmm. And to help you out, let's go with New York first. New York. Hmm. Now, if I had a billboard in New York, I don't think it would say anything on the... I think it would be purely image-based. And it, it, would be, it would be a saxophone silhouette, you know? All you need to tell people there is there's, there's a saxophone happening. There's enough people walking by that if they're interested, they'll take the next step. Okay, okay. <laughs> All right, we'll go to Ohio next. Yeah. A larger city, but it's not the mega metropolis that is New York City. Right. Um, you know, I'd give them a little bit more detail. Maybe give them a place to go. <laughs> Actually, say what I am with some words, but the same kind of idea, you know. Um, face forward, you know. Here's Tom Shea. Think a picture of Kenny G on a billboard, you know. <laughs> with, uh, you know, Tom Shea. Let's say there's performance going on. It would be, that's what I can imagine in Ohio billboard <laughs> okay, I can see that uh-huh now what about Montana 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 um, well first of all it's not gonna be printed it's gonna be you know those uh what are those letters that you have kind of curve to stick them on signs yeah, and swap yeah, yeah, yeah. They're on outside of churches and old convenience stores that's yeah. what it's gonna be on it's gonna be outside of a uh, small bar the bar 
is a log cabin, and um, <laughs> it's gonna say, you know, Tom Shea six to nine, and that's all it's gonna say. <laughs> Probably there will be a drink special listed underneath it. <laughs> and I can see that now, Los Angeles. Uh, you know, I think for Los Angeles, we got to go the complete opposite direction. You know, from New York, I had the matte silhouette. Los Angeles is all about being loud. Think, uh, you know, neon colors. Light. Yeah, yes, yeah, like yeah, you, know, you got you got the oranges, you got the yellows, you got Tom Shea written like it's the '80s. You know, okay. <laughs> with hair, with, you have a white suit on with dove flying. Yeah, by. yeah, we got we got to do the we got to do the hair. <laughs> yeah, and, and a white Trans Am in the background. That's beautiful right there. Okay. I like it. Now, Tom, I want to thank you for coming on West Virginia Commonplace. The last thing that I would like you to do is give a shout out to any and everyone that has helped you along the way because all of us, we do it on our own uh -huh. on certain areas, but we do need that fandom from someone. We need someone yeah. that tells us sometimes that we're doing all right, we're doing good. All right. And um, one more time before we do that, give one more plug where everybody can meet and greet you and how they can book you for shows. Okay, the best way to find me is probably go on Instagram or TikTok and look up Shea Sachs, S-H-E-A-S-A-X. And uh, you go to my link tree from there, you can get my contacts for booking. And uh, now to thank everyone, we got Dominic Datana. He's been uh, he's the guy who dragged me into this is the truth of it. And uh, I couldn't be more thankful. We started in a band in college and we're at this festival here together. So, you know, it is a long term someone pushing me towards music to do it. And of course, uh, my family, my mom and my dad have been extremely supportive to me. And both with being a musician and trying to turn that into being an influencer, you know, because there are many pitfalls many many uh, speed bumps there where you're like hey um rent this month you know <laughs> it's it's really important to have supportive family at that level and without that i don't think i could be doing this okay okay and i agree with that wholeheartedly because sometimes like you said about that rent when you're following your passion and your passion becomes your business and we're not and hobbyists i'm not talking disrespectful to anyone that does anything for a hobby but when you want to turn that corner and you want this to be your life mm -hmm. sometimes there are sacrifices and we need family members yep. friends whoever to help us so let's definitely thank you for that so once again i am jr from west virginia and commonplace stacy's on uh quality control audio so she's not actually part of this interview but she is part of this interview so i want to thank her for sound checking for us on this episode and we are in a loud hallway so you know guys that i will be using podcastle which is our great technology that uses artificial intelligence pulls background noises white noises and auto levels and everything like that it takes the actual audio engineer out of you know, doing the work, which audio engineers are still important, but on a podcast level, for something simple, it's just audio. Their time is limited. Yeah. I love them, though. Yeah. <laughs> so once again, I'm JR from West Virginia Uncommonplace, and I've had Tom Shea on the show. We are out. Please follow WV Uncommonplace on Instagram, Tumblr, Twitter, TikTok, where we have some great content, Facebook, LinkedIn. Hit up the merch store at onecommonplace.square.site. Join the email list from the website, and rate, subscribe, and give feedback from your favorite podcatcher. And lastly thanks for listening and tune into the next episode.